Let's continue Team Week for Duke. Just one more segment, and who better to do that with than the play-by-play announcer for Duke men's basketball as well as their football team. It's David Shoemate joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. David, thanks so much for the time. How are you? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Doing well. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, helping us talk a little bit more about the final predictions that we gave, just setting the scene heading into this year because – To me, David, it feels like the mood surrounding this team is as good as it's been in quite some time. Is this the best, the the most expectations you guys have had, the best morale that you've had since you've taken over um, on the mic? I mean, it's certainly right there with where it was heading into Daniel Jones' final season here in 2018, where I think at the start of the year there were some thoughts that that team could compete in the Coastal, maybe have a chance to win it. They were kind of in the mix um, for most of the year, but that's the only comparable and it's certainly a stark contrast I think it's fair to say from where the expectations were going into Mike Elko's first season when I think last year no one really expected much from this team whether you know certainly externally um, and then they find a way to win nine games so I think a lot of it is built around that I'm sure you guys that have kind of broken it down in detail a lot of that's built around you know when you got a quarterback you got a shot and Duke certainly has one of the better ones in the league Um, and Riley Leonard but, you know, obviously the schedule is challenging. Clemson right out of the chute, you know, on the road at Florida State, hosting Notre Dame. So in one respect, it's challenging. But in another respect, you know, there's the opportunity right in front of you if you want to get to Charlotte. Well, David, you talked about the lack of expectations from Mike Elko coming into year one. Same thing where was really surrounding Riley Leonard. But, man, he was very good last year. How could he compare if he stays, which he said, you know, he wasn't transferring, right? Like, I know there is some NFL buzz for Riley Leonard, so I guess if he has a great season, he could leave. But if he stays a couple more years, if you're talking about Riley Leonard as a guy that follows the footsteps of one Daniel Jones, of a Sean Renfrey, of a Thaddeus Lewis, like a tiny little QB history Duke has built in the last 20 years or so, could Riley be the best quarterback that we've seen in those last 20 years from Duke? Obviously. Daniel Jones just signed a pretty good deal. So it's, it's lofty expectations uh, that you're getting into with, with obviously what he did here at Duke and, and with the Giants as well. But Riley certainly has all the tools. I mean, you, you mentioned what he did last year, nearly throwing for 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. Everyone talks about his ability to run, nearly 700 yards on the ground and 13 TDs there as well. And as you said, another year of eligibility uh, after this one, and, and obviously the pro scouts are, are certainly interested in what he can do. I, I will say he's got all the tools that you'd want, and, and not just the physical abilities, which I think speak for themselves. When you watch him on the field, he can make all the throws. Um, he's a problem for defenses because of his legs. But, but the intangibles, he, there's no question. Yes, in a formality, he was named a captain on this team. But I've been around seeing their summer workouts, obviously in the spring and now into camp. He's a leader on the field as well. It's not just lead by example. He's talking to guys. He's motivating guys. And, and he talked a little bit about that with me over the summer about how, you know, he went down to the Peyton Manning Passing Academy and, you know, got involved in that with Eli and everyone that, that deals with that and, and was studying the intangibles of the position and, and what you need to have in terms of being an NFL quarterback. So he's thinking about it at a, at a high level as well, not just the physical abilities you need. Now, obviously, there's a performance element has come with that. He's got a couple more years of eligibility, um, but he certainly has all the tools to be special. Davis Shoemate joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at DukePBP. And, David, when you talk about this Duke program and the success that they had last season, why do you think the perception hasn't increased for them? Like, we just played a bite from Phil Steele saying that this team uh, could be better than last year but win less games. So why don't you think uh, nationally 
people are higher on this Duke football team? I think it boils down to two things. One, and you know, it was obviously a huge net positive last year what Duke was able to do from a turnover perspective, both reducing their own and creating more turnovers. I mean, I think the turnover differential was something like plus 16. So that was a huge thing. I think there is some skepticism nationally about the ability to duplicate that. I mean, they're in the top five in the country in terms of turnover differential. I will say that's a huge point of emphasis for, for Mike Elko. He talks about you know, transitioning from being a defensive coordinator, most recently Texas A&M, but obviously Notre Dame and Wake Forest, that now that he's in the head coaching role, one of the things that he's really locked in on is making sure guys are taking care of the football, making sure guys understand what you need to do on the open field in terms of how you carry the ball to make sure Duke doesn't give up those extra possessions, which candidly had been a problem in the past. So I think that's one piece of it. I think the other piece of it is kind of what I touched on a minute ago, I think a lot of people externally are looking at and saying, well, with with the lack of divisions now in the ACC, if you look at the preseason expectations in the top half of the league, Duke is going to face most of those. Yes, some at home, whether it be Clemson, NC State, I know Notre Dame is not a league game, but obviously they're ranked in in the coaches' poll and likely will be ranked uh, in the AP poll that comes out next week. And then road trips to Florida State, to Louisville, you know, to North Carolina. So obviously the schedule is challenging. So I think, like you said, Phil Still, and I've seen others nationally have this kind of talking point they're going with of, you know, could be a better team, but maybe the record won't be as good as it was a year ago. And I will say for this team that kind of last year walked around with a big chip on their shoulder, they love that. They embrace it when people don't expect much from them. So I think that kind of fits neatly uh, into their wheelhouse. Yeah, and David, when you look at this team, and there's a lot of high-end talent, whether you talk about Jalen Calhoun, a guy that was uh, voted to the preseason All-ACC team, Graham Bart, and the love that he's gotten nationally as a number two returning offensive tackle in all of college football. We know what Riley Leonard did, then Dwayne Carter and Jamion Franklin on that defensive line. Is this, in your opinion, the most talented team that Duke has had in at least quite some time? Yeah, there's no question across the board. I mean, you, you touched on it. You know, with having so many starters back, I think it's 18 in total. It'd be offense, defense, or special teams. That's a huge deal. And a bunch of those pieces are along the offensive line. You mentioned Barton. Uh, Jacob Monk is back, who can play both the center and the guard spots. Maurice McIntyre is getting healthy. You know, you bring in Jake Hornibrook, a Stanford transfer. So I think along the offensive line, you have to feel good. And then at the skill positions across the board, everybody's back. Yeah, I mean, you touched on Calhoun. Uh, Samir Hagens, who, who's a really talented receiver, made a huge play at the end of the game away Forest uh, in the regular season finale that proved to be the game-winning touchdown. A guy like Jordan Moore, who, who this time last year was battling with Riley Leonard for the starting quarterback position, goes out and plays wide out last year, nearly you know goes for a 200-yard receiving game at Pittsburgh. He's had a full year now to prepare at the receiver position, and he's someone I think can pop. All the running backs are back. You know, you talked on the defensive line. The secondary has been bolstered with some transfers, but also a bunch of returners there. So just the learning curve is not there to maybe where it was a year ago when you're bringing in new coordinators, a new head coach, and a new system. You know, I was talking with Kevin Johns the other day, and he kind of said, you know, they're on to Chapter 2 already here in camp, where last year a good chunk of the work was just install in Chapter 1 of the playbook and figuring all that out. So I think as much as that, that knowledge that's already baked in allows them potentially to take a major step forward and the talent obviously speaks for itself and what they've been able to do in the weight room with David Feely, who oversees that as well. We've seen some big jumps in terms of muscle mass as well. 
The voice of Duke, David Shoemate, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. David, play-by-play announcers obviously get to know the coaches really well. You got to know David Cutcliffe. Now you're going into your second season with Mike Elko. How different are these guys in personality and how they run their team? Well, I mean, I think, you know, one, obviously, the quarterback guru, right? And, and an offensive-minded guy, so you're dealing with a guy who's been, you know, most of his career on the defensive side of the football, if not all of it, with Mike Elko. So I think you have that kind of inherent difference and personality a little bit in terms of how they see the game. Although I think Mike Elko has been really obvious about he wants to score points too. And, and, you know, averaging 10 more points a game than the previous year kind of speaks for itself. I will say this about Mike Elko. He, the brilliance of the football mind is obvious just in terms of the product that he puts on the field, what he's done his entire career. Um, But he, he's just one of those guys that's just like an everyday guy and a time in college football. And I'm sure you guys have talked about it you know, college basketball as well, where these head coaching positions can appear larger than life in in terms of these head of the programs. You know, he's just a a regular guy when you talk to him and really down to earth and and easygoing and has his wife and, you know, relatively young family and and likes to spend time with them. So that's been kind of cool to watch him kind of live in his space of just an everyday guy that's living the dream, obviously, uh, of being a power five head coach. But you know, it's cool, as you said, to work with a bunch of different coaches. Coach Cut was the best, obviously, on the basketball side. I've had a chance to work with Coach K and, and now John Shire. So um, we get to work with some pretty good ones here yeah. at Durham. I'm probably spoiled in that regard. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, you've got a pretty nice collection of coaches that you've had the chance to talk to. And one of the things that's been my biggest takeaway, we've had a chance to talk with Jalen Calhoun earlier this week, Riley Leonard at ACC kickoff. You know, both of among the better players that they had returning, they talked about how they didn't really give much thought into transferring from this program. You know, David, how much roster change did you expect to take place when David Cutcliffe was let go? Well, I think the, you know, you never know how this is going to go. I think you have to be honest with that and, and forthright from the beginning because players have to make decisions now. The transfer portal is a thing, and, and you know, you don't begrudge anyone that's going to make a decision they think is best for them, their family, their future. Or, or what have you, but I will say I thought it, it was intriguing to me at Mike Elko's first press conference. You know, every coach has a, a culture and a theme and a moniker, so to speak, and, and he laid out his was grind, the acronym that he went by. And for him, the in and grind stood for now. And, and he said at his introductory press conference, it was striking to me, and I've referenced it several times, that he said when he came in, the plan was to win now. And I think that was interesting because everyone knew what had happened the previous years. It had certainly been a struggle in terms of wins and losses. And, you know, he had every reason a lot of coaches would have gone up there and said, you know, this is going to be a process. This is going to take some time to rebuild. And I think to say I'm going to win now really spoke to the guys on the current roster that he wasn't looking past them two or three years down the road. He was making a commitment to them. And I think that helped as much as anything in them making a commitment to him. I also think, too, anytime you're at a place like Duke, uh, and I know things have changed, and IL has changed, and obviously guys want to play professionally, but this is a degree that matters. And I think staying at Duke and, and having a chance to have a Duke degree, you know, plays for all these guys and, and works to a lot of these guys. And a big part of the reason to come here, and perhaps one of the reasons that Duke hasn't been as susceptible to the transfer portal as some other places. David, as you surveyed this schedule, just how difficult do you see it, and what are some of the critical junctures in said schedule? I mean, anytime you're coming out of the gates with Clemson, that kind of speaks for itself, uh, the preseason favorite. So I think in some respects it's really difficult when you see the name brands that are on there. 
it's an opportunity to, to challenge these guys, obviously. But you do have seven home games, and you open with three straight at home and five of your first six at home, Clemson and Lafayette, an FCS opponent, uh, Northwestern, uh, the lone non-conference road game is at Connecticut. And you get into the meat of the schedule. I don't know if juncture point, but maybe one of the more challenging parts of the schedule is in late October to early November where you go back-to-back road games, October 21st in Tallahassee against Florida State, October 28th at Louisville, and then a very quick turnaround on Thursday night to host Wake Forest. So that part, to me, is going to be challenging just in terms of keeping guys healthy and keeping guys fresh with all the travel. Uh, And then, as I said, the really quick turnaround for Wake on the back end. Uh, And then you do have some road games down the stretch at, at North Carolina, at Virginia, um, but I think out of the shoot with Clemson certainly grabs your attention. And then that stretch in late October, I think, is going to be pretty challenging, you know, regardless of the opponents, just because how it's structured with the road games and then the quick turnaround. Yeah. And then you talk about that Clemson game, and that's one I've been pointing to as well. And when you look at this Clemson program, especially with question marks, not sure if Kate Klubnick is the guy just yet. Garrett Riley coming in to revive the offense, so to speak, the skill guy talent, especially at the wide receiver positions, isn't what we've seen during those championship runs. Do you feel like this is as good a time as any for Duke to take on Clemson uh, in a setting like the one that it will be on September 4th? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a program that's ready to challenge itself with with all the returners that are coming back and and a chance to be on that stage. I think it speaks to what people think that, that, you know, that Mike Elko's done and and what this program has done from a facility standpoint to get that Labor Day night stage on ESPN at 8 o'clock kick. Place is going to be packed. Uh, Obviously, the students and everyone will be really into it uh, to have that chance to show, you know, Duke is – on the level or are able to compete with a team like Clemson. And obviously they want to win the football game. Um, but as you said, it, there's some interesting subplots to it as well. You know, Clemson with the changes to the coaching staff, a new offensive coordinator. We saw a little bit of Klubnik um, at the end of last season, but now his first full year um, as a starter against Mike Elko and his defense. And he brings in Tyler Santucci over from Texas A&M to take over as the defensive coordinator. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see how that matchup plays out. I think this could be a game that has a defensive flavor to it. You never really know going into it, but there are some pieces on the offensive side on each side. But I think you, you've obviously got a Clemson defense that's always one of the best in the conference and, and a Blue Devil defense that I think has taken a major step forward and has a lot of pieces back. But who knows once they kick it off what it's going to look like. But I do think Duke feels like they're in a good place to go out um, and compete with, as you said, the, pre- the preseason favorite in the ACC. That was great stuff from David Shoemate, the play-by-play voice of Duke football and men's basketball. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNC.com. David, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Fellas, appreciate it.